You want Philly Philly? Yeah, let's do it. Sanders patiently running. Sanders could cut. And another block. Sanders still going inside the 40. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Kelly Green Hour as we are getting set for week two in the National Football League. And yesterday started with a bang with the Kansas City Chiefs defeating the Los Angeles Chargers 27-24. The Chargers were up 10, and then the the, the, the Chargers chargered. <laughs> the Chiefs came back scoring, uh, I think it was like 17, 10 unanswered, 17 unanswered, something like that. And Patrick Mahomes, he's he's special. It'd be nice to have a quarterback like that uh, leading your team. I'm your host, LJ Rowe. And as always, I am joined by my co-host, Connor Donald. Connor, what's going on, my man? Same old stuff, man. I am I am excited to be in week two already. It feels like the offseason just flew by and, well, slowly went by, I guess. But now it feels like the season's already flying by with the preseason and the season. Um, but we're 1-0. That's a positive. And we have the Jalen Reger revenge game to talk about this week <laughs> as we face the, uh, the Vikings on Monday night. So how about we dive in? Yeah, before we get started, as always, follow us on Twitter at Kelly Green Hour. Follow Connor on Twitter at Connor10. Follow me on Twitter at LJHarrell54. Follow the Painted Lines on Twitter and YouTube at, Paint, at the Painted Lines. And follow Edge of Philly Sports on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook at EOP Sports. Now that I got it right, I always said Edge of Philly Sports. I apologize to, to, to the guys. Um, but yes, you can follow them over at EOP Sports. Yes, let's dive into this game. You mentioned it, the uh, Jalen Rager revenge game. One thing I will have to say, he is going to score a touchdown this week just because it's Philadelphia, and he's going to – he's there looking at the depth chart. He's their main punt returner. If that is true, he's going to take one to the house, and, that, and, and that's going to – it's going to be a bummer when he does it. Uh, but I have a feeling that, that Rager is going to – Rager is going to do something that, that's going to be eye-opening. Now, that could obviously be negative for Rager and the Vikings, or it could be negative against the Eagles. I tend to think he's going to score a touchdown just because, uh, but we'll see. Only thing, one thing I have to say is if the Eagles do against that Viking, against Justin Jefferson, what the Packers did against Jeff, Justin Jefferson last week, Jonathan Gannon better be fired at halftime. He better not make it to the end of the game. You have to find the most explosive explosive player on the field for the opposing team and cover him. The most explosive player on Minnesota is Justin Jefferson. Yes, they have Dalvin Cook, who's very good. Adam Thielen, who's a really good second receiver. But Justin Jefferson is trying to prove that he's the best receiver in football. He had a, 184 yards on nine catches and two touchdowns last week. The Eagles and Jonathan Gannon, Darius Slade, James Bradbury, whoever it's going to be, better figure out a way to cover him. And if they don't, it's going to be a long, long night for the Eagles' defense. Yeah, I agree. That that's like the the biggest question mark. I think when well, I mean, I think the run defense definitely is a major question mark as well because you got Dalvin Cook who went off for twenty and ninety and five targets, three receptions, eighteen yards last week. So I mean, you still have a guy who is. It's not two of them this time because it was both Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift that took turns beating on us last week. Alexander Madison's not bad, though. Alexander Madison's not bad, but, I mean, he's hardly someone we you have to game plan for unless there's a major injury to Dalvin Cook. Did you watch the Eagles run defense last week? I did. So, I mean, realistically, there could be Madison could have a big game and Dalvin Cook might. If Dalvin Cook doesn't have to be out there the whole game, we got blown out and that's not good. So last week, Dalvin Cook had 20 carries, five targets. Madison had eight carries. That's it. That was the extent of Madison's work. And that is what I fully expect to see this week, which is highly effective. That's a 4.5 per 
per uh, carry average. And we were giving up big play after big play after big play last week to Swift. And I, I could see Cook doing the same thing. While Cook may not be as agile as Swift, Cook is definitely a guy who can burst off big plays and force a lot of missed tackles. And we were, what, number one, number two in missed tackles last week. So hopefully there was a little bit of tackling at practice to get people to get some of the defense adjusted to that because it definitely did not go well. Um, And Gannon's going to have to come out with a very, very different game plan this week because this is not like the team we played last week. While Detroit, they do have some weapons. They don't really have a quarterback. And while Kirk Cousins is not like the envy of the league, he's been consistently okay. He's been consistent enough. He's really good against the Eagles. Yeah, really good against the Eagles too. Exactly, and he can just be consistent. Like he just has to be okay, and every somebody around him will go off. Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson. Like last week, he was twenty-three for thirty-two, two hundred seventy-seven yards, two TDs. But Dalvin Cook went for twenty and ninety, and then of course Jefferson went for nine, one eighty-four and two. So somebody can pop off for him, and he doesn't have to be this special quarterback. For some reason, that's always been the Kirk Cousins way. Um, All I know is Kirk Cousins' agent deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh I, I would agent, definitely agree with you on that. Agent, yeah, he's made so much money from all the, the franchise tags that he took with Washington to that fully guaranteed 84, 87 million dollar contract he took with Minnesota. Yeah, his agent pretty much every contract now with for him is fully guaranteed or like at least 75 to 90 percent guaranteed because you've they set the precedent that if you want Kirk Cousins to stay around you got to give him his his due which is what he's been getting used to with Minnesota yeah one thing I did forget to mention if you if you're listening to us here um on the stream please comment make a comment uh let us know your thoughts on this upcoming game between the Eagles and the Vikings uh we'll definitely expand upon uh any of the comments that we see uh and we get we get our obligatory uh, fire hashtag fire Howie. Uh, Dave got in here before. Uh, was it Matt that usually be Matt gets, usually does. Yep, that usually gets in here early, or so, at least sometimes during during the stream he'll he'll get his fire Howie tweet going. Uh, but yeah, so uh, I'm gonna look at this Minnesota offense. And you mentioned Kirk Cousins. It starts with him. While he's not a world beater, he is a consistent quarterback. Um, is he a superstar quarterback? No. But he is still able to put, put up numbers, and it helps when you have the offensive weapons that you have. Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, uh, Dalvin Cook. Their offensive line is is decent. It's not as good as Detroit's offensive line, um, but it's defense, they are decent. They are starting a rookie at right guard, but Garrett Bradbury at center, Ezra Cleveland, and Christian Darisaw on the left side, Ed Ingram at right guard, Brian O'Neill at right tackle. The Eagles are going to have to win their one-on-one battles up front. It's going to have to start with uh, Hassan Reddick, Brandon Graham, Josh Sweat, Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, Jordan Davis. They have to find a way to win those battles. Clog the holes. Don't allow Dalvin Cook to get going early because if Minnesota um, and their new coach, Kevin O'Connell, if they can get the running running game going, then that takes pressure off of Kirk Cousins. And if you can get the running game going, that rock and link that should it's the, the link that should be rocking on Friday on Monday night, excuse me. That'll take the the, the wind out of the, the fans, and that could keep, that could allow the, the the Minnesota offense to be able to move without the that pressure of the Philadelphia Eagles uh, fan base. Yeah, and I did I actually did post a stat on the Kelly Green Hour Twitter page earlier today about Kirk Cousins because. While you say the offensive line isn't as good as Detroit, they definitely are not that great based on week the week one performance at least because they uh, the stat I found was he saw a protection rate that ranked 24th among quarterbacks last week. This is hurried or forced to throw in under three seconds. And per PFF, the O-line pass blocking efficiency ranked 31st out of 32 teams, allowing 17 total pressures, including seven QB hits, which actually led the entire NFL all offensive lines uh, for quarterback hits. So I bet, but the bonus for them is Kirk Cousins actually threw the second most pressure throws last week at 12, but had the 10th best completion percentage under pressure. So my big point here was that, like you said, the front four have to get home. They have to get home. It's not just about making 
Kirk Cousins uncomfortable. It's about actually hitting Kirk Cousins, taking him down and getting those sacks, turning those pressures, turning those quarterback hits into actual sacks. Um, and, and the secondary given any amount of time for the front four to get home because they definitely need to get home. And last week was a poor example of it. Last season was a poor example of it. So there needs to start to be a turnaround here at some point. And that doesn't necessarily, in my opinion, mean that they need to go out and they need to blitz. I think that this more to me means because you need all those people out there for Dalvin Cook. You need to be watching Irv Smith. You got to be watching Adam Thielen in the slot. You got to be watching Justin Jefferson. You're probably going to have to have someone over top watching Justin Jefferson, whether we like it or not. He's probably going to have to play with a too high safety look all game because one of those safeties is going to be tasked with watching Justin Jefferson. Um, there's going to be off coverage because Justin Jefferson could obviously beat you in a number of different ways. But if you're playing glued to him, he's definitely going to roast you. So, so it, it's going to be about the front four. There's going to be so much focus on the front four in that defense this week. I, yeah, I agree. It's going to be on the front four. The only thing that, that worries me is last week, Jared Goff was, I think, number one in the NFL in getting rid of the football. It was around two seconds, if not less than two seconds. Kirk Cousins has that ability as well. Everybody knows that like the, the Eagles – the Eagles' game plan is stop the run on the way, at least in the defensive front, stop the run on the way to the quarterback. And opposing offenses have realized, all right, we'll just get rid of the ball. We'll do a quick three-step drop, get rid of it. And shotgun, you know, catch the ball, get rid of it. They run slants, they'll do screens. And and if it looks like every week it looks like the Eagles' defense has never defended a screen ever. That's just what it looks like. It, it seems like they've never seen a screen and, and then they get beat by it. It's, it's astounding how how they look so bad against the screen week after week after week. Um, but, yeah, like with without Derek Barnett, and, again, Derek Barnett's not, not our favorite guy on the show, but, you know, it's, if you think about the ends, like Hassan Reddick talked about how he just did, he didn't have a great game last week. He's definitely going to have to step up. Brandon Graham. First game back from an Achilles injury, which happened, I think, early last year, week two or week three, something like that. So, like, his first game back, he's finally he's finally got, you know, his feet probably – hopefully got his feet back up um, under him. You know, the defensive line, the, the entire the, the entire defense got a game under them because they hadn't played a, a full 60-minute game playing how like 60, 70 snaps, which not everybody does. Primarily the secondary does, though, um, and some linebackers. Like, they got that – game speed, game pace under them. But the weapons that Minnesota have is a lot better than the weapons that Detroit has. Um, I mean, we've, we've talked about the running game. You know, DeAndre Swift is really good, had a really good game last week. But Dalvin Cook is better. I, I think Dalvin Cook is a better running back than um, than DeAndre Swift. Uh, Amon St. Brown last week scored a touchdown. But Justin Jefferson is a top four, top three receiver in – the NFL. Just being honest, he's a top three, top four receiver in the NFL. You're unless you're facing Jamar Chase, Cooper Cup, um, somebody like that, even AJ Brunt, Like you're 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 not going to see a, 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 a wide receiver as good as Justin Jefferson the rest of the year. You know that, mm-hmm. that didn't include Devontae Adams, but the Eagles don't face the Raiders this year. Um, so, like it, it's going to be very important. Jonathan Gannon can't. He has to learn how to adjust in game. When the defense comes off the field, adjust then. Don't wait until halftime. Don't wait until the the following week and be like, well, you know, we should have done this, that, and a third. No, do it in the game. It's so annoying that the Eagles don't adjust. And that's the one criticism I have of this um, coaching staff is we haven't seen many in-game adjustments by Gannon, by Sirianni, by Steichen, and that has to change or you're not going to come away. Like all the – the, the division is there for the – I know it's only week one, but the division is there for the taking. Dak's going to be out four weeks, if not longer, probably four weeks, maybe six weeks. Um, the Giants, yes, they beat Tennessee last week, but the Giants really aren't that good. Like, that was just – the Giants are, are going to still be, you know, um, solid dwellers. Washington is a different story. I think Washington has a chance to be good. I think if Wentz can not – glitch in the middle of the game or something and throw two bad passes like and throw two interceptions every game like Washington has a chance 
to be right there at the end. But things are setting up, and I, and I don't like to look at odds, especially this early in the season, but if you look at the odds, the Eagles have are overwhelming favorites to win the division, have the second highest odds to get to the Super Bowl in the NFC, which I think is weird. I would not put them that high uh, right now. But, like, th- th- if you can't make adjustments in game, you're just not in, you know, you're going to – like, Green Bay. Like, what was Green Bay's defense thinking last week? Why wasn't J- Jair Alexander on Justin Jefferson? Why were they not why, – why were they not doubling Justin? Like, it made zero sense to me. You have to make those adjustments in game and not wait till halftime and not wait till – after the game and you, you you go to the film room and be like, you know, we did this, but we should have did this. Well, no crap. You should have did that in the game, not after the game talking about it. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think that last week was definitely a really good lesson for, for the Philadelphia Eagles to take some notes on for Justin Jefferson, because he can have an absolutely monster game if you give him the opportunity to have it. And we've seen it over and over again. And he doesn't really have to necessarily win by separate. And he doesn't have to win at the contest. Because he can win in all those situations. He can separate. He can win. He can go up and get the ball in a contested catch situation. You can lay off him. You can be right on him. He'll beat you in any way, shape, and form. And that's just who Justin Jefferson is. He's somebody that you always have to account for, like you said. Just like Jamar Chase. Just like Devontae Adams. They are, they are not like the Michael Thomas of the world who just runs slants over and over again and find success. They, these guys can beat you at all three levels of the football field. And that's something that hopefully Jonathan Gannon took notes on and Jonathan Gannon is prepared to face because he needs to have a second man, at least over top prepared at all times, because he may not, he may beat you within the first 10 yards one time and he could beat you 20 plus yards on the next play. So you always have to have somebody prepared for that. As much as we hate watching the safeties play back and watch the play and diagnose the play, that's just something that we are going to need to see in this game against a guy like Justin Jefferson, especially when a lot of their other players are specialists more in the slot. Irv Smith Jr. hasn't really proven enough at tight end to garner any major attention adam thielen deserves attention but he does a lot of his work in the red zone and in the slot so you really have to get in on him when it's inside the 20 especially in the end zone inside the 10 you really have to buckle down on adam thielen and then otherwise it's dalvin cook really to me it's more of two major weapons that you constantly have to be focused on and one of them can definitely be taken out of the game by just making your tackles not allowing dalvin cook to to force a missed tackle and frustrating him and giving him minimal gains would be huge to get for this defense. Like, I feel like a lot more of this, I understand it's a lot on Justin Jefferson, but Justin Jefferson is allowed to do what he does because the field is so much more opened up because of a guy like Dalvin cook. You can't really stack the box because you have to focus on Justin Jefferson but you can't really go with the light box because you never know what Dalvin Cook's going to do. I feel like a lot of this is really going to come down to that front, not just front four, front seven overall. The linebackers got to make their tackles, and they struggled last week. Um, we talked about Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. He missed three tackles. Kaiser White missed a couple tackles. There was a lot of missed tackles that that needed to be rectified, and I feel like that would have changed the outlook of last week's game massively. <clears throat> How many of their big plays came off of a missed tackle? Not even a forced missed tackle, just a straight bad angle tackle or... I mean, the second play of the game. Exactly, the exactly. run by DeAndre Swift. And, you know, Dave, Dave's comment, I do think if the defensive game plan is being called from up top, Howie, then Gannon should come right out and say it. it's his coaching career at stake at that point. I don't think how... So I know we, we kind of touched on it on Tuesday. Howie if is in the meetings but that's more of personnel he needs to know am i do i have to bring this guy up um what 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 extra position do you think you may need this week um i don't think and i'm pretty sure that it's actually been reported that he's not in game plan meetings it's more personnel meetings you know you can only bring up people from the practice squad what two or three times before you know you'd have to sign them to the active roster that's a britain kobe like Brittany Kobe, he was already brought up once, and he was not very good with re- returning punts. So, like, he he want, needs to know from from Sirianni and the special teams coach, do we have somebody else that's on the active roster that can return punts so that we don't have to keep bringing Kobe up 
or put Kobe on the active roster. So I don't think Howie and look, everybody knows I'm not the biggest I'm not that the biggest Howie defender, but Howie isn't coming up with the game plan. And I and if he was, that's an issue. But I don't think he is. It's more of a personnel thing. You need to know, you know, he's the one that puts this roster together. So he needs yeah, to know. Yeah, and, like, and I agree with you there. That. Like, and this year, like last year, there was just it was so frustrating to watch some of the personnel decisions last year because you were trying to fit, you know, square pegs and or circle pegs and square holes. Like it, it just wasn't making any sense why some of these players were continuing to get called up or ended up making the main roster or why Howie was continuing to defend a lot of these guys, especially now that they're not even on the team. Like I mean, we did see smart, better decision-making in regards to Alex Singleton was seen last time for, unfortunately, Davion Taylor, who was a mixed bag. But And then Davion Taylor ended up getting injured, and Alex Singleton had to become a focal point of the offense again. So that was an, um, <laughs> yeah, it's an unfortunate reality. Um, and t- first of all, I do want to make a comment on that. The fact that the Denver Broncos have not signed Blake Martinez, the fact that Blake Martinez, a tackling machine, is unsigned, is really weird. He's coming off an ACL though, right? He got, he had an yeah, ACL last year. Yeah, but he wasn't released with an injury designation, so there can't be that much wrong from an injury standpoint for for the Giants to just have straight cut him without any injury designation or using the IR or, or IL or whatever. It, it's so the, he's better than a lot of teams second linebackers and it to me it just doesn't make any sense i'm not saying he should be in philadelphia i don't think he should be in philadelphia i think we're in a really good spot for linebackers but when i see alex singleton as a starter and blake martinez is out there and available i'm like what is going on with some of these well 31 other teams aren't signing them either so i mean we gotta take the giants out of the picture so 30 other teams are yeah would be 31 yeah but 30 if we don't include philly either but also, you did mention um, we did sign Jared Williams today. He came in to take over at the left tackle position. Um, but we are currently sitting here. I'm looking at a depth chart that shows four wide receivers. Do you think Deion Kane gets the call up this week? Because you were kind of alluding to, you know, Britton Covey didn't have a great game last week. He didn't return punts all that well. Is there really that much risk of going with Kenneth Gainwell or going with, Somebody Quiz else Watkins. at the return position, Quiz Watkins at the return position. So my only thing about that is Quez Watkins didn't get targeted. Zach Pascal got targeted once. Uh, Devontae Smith got targeted four times. Everything else went to – like it's so hard with the quarterback that we have to, to, to determine if we're going to bring up another receiver. I mean, I think it should be Deion Kane, but – this could be the week that they may have to bring up another defensive lineman because of the injury to Derek Burnett. I know he signed Janarius Janarius Robinson to the to the um, to the active roster, but like, how much can you learn in six days? Um, but then again, it's a defensive end, dude. Just go out there and get after the quarterback if you have to play. And um, I think that that more like I think the linebackers are going to be used a lot more in that role than like Janarius Robinson. Like somebody talked about, I think it might have been Dave in the comments earlier about it something about three defensive ends this week. I think it's going to be a fourth rotational guy like Kyron Johnson, Patrick Johnson, Hassan Reddick, um, those types of Teron Jackson, those types of guys. Teron Jackson's already considered an edge. So, like, I'm more thinking of the linebackers who could come into more of a rush. Well, Hassan Reddick is an edge. I don't – he's not a linebacker. He's a defensive end. But he's like, like the strong side linebacker, so like end. he could drop back. But he he only drop back five times. He got paid because he can week. rush the passer. He's a defensive end. I hate that people call him a linebacker. He's not a good linebacker. He's a good defensive end. Like that's all I'm going to stick with. I consider him a defensive end. Brandon Graham, Josh Sweat, Hassan Reddick, um, and I guess Janarius Robinson. Um, so look, Taron Jackson will probably see more time than Janarius Robinson. Probably. I feel like Robinson will probably be cut at the end of this week when, you know, we've gotten some insight into what the Minnesota Vikings game plans look like personally. Yeah, pretty much. But, That's the only reason they did it has to be the only reason they did it. And they were able to get away with it because of the Monday night game. Uh, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they decide to do. If they decide to bring up a fifth receiver, um, is Calcaterra going to play this week? Or are they going to have to bring up, um, Who's the the linebacker or the the tight end that we brought up? The third tight end. 
Like, are they gonna are they gonna bring him up? Is Calcaterra gonna be ready? Um, they seem to be because you probably, know they're gonna bring a third tight end. Is that's a Philadelphia mentality? Yeah, that, you know that's why I asked if Calcaterra was gonna be healthy or not. Um, mm-hmm. They're good with their four running backs, you know. Um, Miles Sanders, Kenneth Gainwell, Boston Scott, Jalen Hurts. So, like, they're good there. Um, the offensive line seems to be good. So, it'll be interesting to see, like, where, where they decide if, – if they decide to stick with just the four receivers because, you know, they're not going to th- – they're going to throw them. If Minnesota doesn't double A.J. Brown, they're stupid. And this should be a – this should be a Devontae Smith type of game if the Eagles decide to pass the ball, but we'll see. I want to jump over to the – the defensive side of the ball for Buffalo. Um, actually, before they need uh, the Eagles need Jordan Davis, as Dave says, the Eagles need Jordan Davis and to stop the run. Swift killed us and Dalvin will too. I agree. I look, I don't buy the Jordan Davis is out of shape. That's why I don't buy that. I have no idea why Jordan Davis. I didn't even hear that that was a thing that Jordan Davis was out of shape. Well, a lot of people talk about it just because of his size. He's six. Oh, it's the size and the fact that he couldn't take over a full-time role in a Georgia defense that nobody really had a full-time role in right? because Nicole they're Dean so probably deep. probably the only one that had a full-time role. Like, yeah, even, like they're so the deep. One over, even the number one overall pick didn't have a full-time role, Trayvon Walker. Like, nope. that, 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 like you said, it's college. You're allowed to have 100 and however many guys, and they could be all five stars, and they were so good that the starters didn't have to play in the second half. That's what people don't understand. That's how good that defense was. That's how good that Georgia team was. That they were blowing teams out by halftime. Why would you leave your starters out there? I agree. No, I 100% agree. I think like the idea behind Jordan Davis, I think that was 100% a game plan of Jonathan Gannon's. Maybe he wanted to wean him and Kobe Dean into it. But like we said on on last the last episode when we were reviewing that game, one of the big things is you do not select someone in the first round that you are not prepared to pass off 90% plus of the snaps week one. You just don't. And the logic of trading up for Jordan Davis and then taking Jordan Davis and not being comfortable enough to say you can play at least, at least 75% snaps. It's, it's defensive tackle. It's, it's a, you're pushing around 300 pound men. I get it. That can be a very taxing position. And we got Fletcher Cox. We got Javon Hargrave. We got Milton Williams. We got surprisingly Marilyn Twipaluto, who had a really good game as well. But to sit there and say that he couldn't play at least 75% of snaps, why'd you take him in the first round? I wish we can give Howie a truth serum and ask him, you traded up to 13 for Jamison and Williams, right? Like, I don't think they traded up for Jordan Davis. I think, and I mentioned it at draft time that 90, 95% of the football world was shocked that Detroit traded up 20 spots for a wide receiver. And granted, if he didn't get hurt, he's the best wide receiver in the draft class, but nobody thought that. And I think the Eagles traded up, trying to get Jamison Williams. I wish we could give truth serums to get the truth out of that, out of, out of that move. And when the, the Lions took Williams, they panicked. And we're and, and they don't they don't prioritize the safety position enough to take one in the first round. They love the defensive and offensive lines. Jordan Davis is there. They were like, all right, we'll just take Jordan Davis and, and figure it out from here. And I mean, it's not that we don't need a defensive tackle because we definitely needed a second one to line up with Milton Williams as a future of that defensive line. So it's not bashing the pick saying we didn't need it. It's questioning why. Whether or not Jamison Williams was a target when you had that trade tabled and you wanted to move up, that's not the point. The point to me is, why don't you trust him to be out? I get N'Kobe Dean. I get N'Kobe Dean. N'Kobe Dean, that's a linebacker position. There's a lot more to learn. There's a lot more to understand about the concepts and what you do. I get that. That's fine. And I get N'Kobe Dean's probably a super smart guy, but we have some really good linebackers. There's no reason to rush N'Kobe Dean into this, but there is reason to make sure we got what we got out of Jordan Davis early because you got Javon Hargrave who needs a new contract. You got Fletcher Cox who is it time to finally move on or not? There's a lot of questions at that position and you got to have them answered by having Jordan Davis dominate or at least play very well for as many snaps as possible, not 22 snaps and giving up 29 to a fifth round pick last year in Maryland to Ipaluto. Yeah, so we'll, we'll see what... 
adjustments Gannon has come up with this week and see if they can stop Justin Jefferson. Let's move over to the defensive side of the ball for, for Detroit. They play a 3-4. Uh, Danell Hunter they have listed as an outside linebacker, but I'm pretty sure he's he's more of a defensive end. The so. linebackers are wild. Jordan and Hicks Jordan reunion. Hicks is back. They have Jordan Hicks, Eric Kendricks, Zadarius Smith from Green Bay. Dude, that the, their linebackers are really good. We'll see if the Eagles are able to – the Eagles' offensive line is able to push them around like they were able to do to do to Detroit last week to the tune of over 200 yards rushing. Um, the secondary, Patrick Peterson, Harrison Smith, uh, Cameron Bynum, Cameron Dantzler, and Shandon Sullivan, former Eagle. Andrew Booth is on the injury report this week. Not sure if he's going to play. Look – I don't know if anybody in the secondary can cover um, A.J. Brown, even Devontae Smith for that matter. But if the front four, front seven for for Minnesota can get pressure like Detroit did last week, man, it's going to be a long day for Jalen Hurts. Yeah, the, the offensive line definitely has to step up. And I understand this wasn't fully on the defensive line or the offensive line last week. Um, and when you look – when you deep dive into it, they're what they didn't give up that many pressures. So how many pressures were created by, you know, Jalen Hurts and trying to extend plays, get out of the pocket, rush out of the pocket? How many of those blown, not really blown plays, because sometimes they turned into 10 plus yard runs for Jalen Hurts. But how much of that pressure was Jalen Hurts kind of creating for himself because he didn't see what he wanted quickly enough? So he took the option to run. That's often a question that I think about, especially when looking at this offensive line, because there were plays where that offensive line held strong, like Aiden Hutchinson was held in check fairly well last week. Um, the offensive line, to me, looked pretty good. There were a couple pressures. There was a couple times they got at Jalen Hurts, but really, that was it. And, and I understand, like, Jalen Hurts, there's one thing that I will give him, and it's the one thing that a lot of people are praising right now. He can get he's he's not like Carson Wentz. He won't go down like the Titanic with the ball in his hand, just trying to make something of nothing. He will get rid of that ball. And we saw countless times last week, which I think can be his savior up against this front seven. Like you said, just look at the linebackers and who they might try and rush at him, like Danil Hunter alone. So As to me, Smith. and Zadarius Smith, exactly. So, like to me, the good thing is he gets the ball out. He just needs to go beyond the first read, trust his offensive line, and really hopefully that will help turn things around this week, especially like you said, this isn't the best secondary. While it looked good last week, Christian Watson dropped a brutal pass. Those receivers for Green Bay are pretty bad right now. Like I they're know they're, they're pretty bad. Like I understand they invested in them in a way like Christian Watson and Romeo Dubs and all that hype that was in the offseason about Romeo Dubs, but they're not they're not there yet. They're not there yet. Like give maybe week eight. We're probably talking about a whole different look in Green Bay, and Rodgers will have whipped them into shape. But otherwise, I don't think this secondary is as good as it, it looked last week. I think that was more of a Aaron Rodgers, a fr frustration with his wide receivers and having a tough time getting the passing game going, which, I mean, if Aaron Rodgers had a tough time getting the passing game going up against this uh, seven-man front, imagine Jalen Hurts. Yeah, um, and and as you mentioned, we always talk about he's, a as of right now, he's like a one-read and run type of quarterback, so he's going to have to learn how to get through through his reads. <laughs> speaking of as Dave says, speaking of getting out, did we ever find out who exactly let Howie out of that closet? Which is going back to the uh Chip Kelly days when he took over and things went downhill after Chip took over, you know, trading everybody. Dave, we know you hate Howie. We know it. Hey, I have Howie on my fantasy team, Dave. I'll trade him to you. No, I'm <laughs> um, I'll trade you. <laughs> but yeah, so it's good. I don't know. I'm trying to figure out the type of offensive game plan if I'm the Eagles that you wouldn't put this week. It can't be as bad as that Green Bay game plan as you talked about. But also, Green Bay just doesn't care about week ones. Like, it just seems like they don't care. 
at all. Um, but I think they really need a game plan that helps Jalen Hurts get comfortable getting the ball out. Something that works within the first zero to 10 yards. Maybe not necessarily screens. That, that's fine. After watching Jalen Reger bomb screens. We have not like, been able to run a screen since... Even with Quez Watkins, yeah, like even Quez Watkins, who's got like he had that huge one last year where it was what like the ninety yard. That wasn't uh, a screen. It wasn't. Oh, I thought it was no. A it was a deep pass, somewhere. and the Eagles still didn't score a touchdown on that drive. So, so like I think you need to really get that. Okay, Joseph says if we run the ball, we beat the Vikings. Well, we just kind of alluded to that front seven. I mean, if you can get through that front seven on a consistent enough basis, listen. At the end of the day, I am fine with being run first but like me and lj have said more lj than me you're not going to win the super bowl on the backs of your running backs we need to see what we can get going with jalen hurts and jalen hurts has to get comfortable in some form or another if jalen hurts is most comfortable going between you know the shorter intermediate range to going zero to ten yards getting that ball out like jared goff in like two point i think it was 2.3 seconds it was like the sixth fastest last week if, if it's all about getting the ball out quickly and that's going to start to get him more comfortable and open the field up, I don't need to see five or six deep balls a game from, from Jalen Hurts. If the field opens up enough and he gets comfortable enough to throw a deep ball, good. I would love to see it, and I don't mind seeing it. And we've seen it. We saw it last year a few times. When he got comfortable enough, he would throw a pretty good deep ball it's just not something you're going to see frequently from Jalen Hurts so I would really like to see a game plan that really gets Jalen Hurts comfortable in the pocket and moving things quickly I feel like uh, I feel like that would really help yeah and Chris Scott says I love the Eagles in this game Goddard and Smith could have a field day against the Vikings on defense Sanders can have a big game as well yeah like it, it, it all comes down to, and we say it time and time again, it all comes down to Jalen Hurts. He's got to be able to look past that first read. If he can look past that first – if you watched yesterday's game, I think I think it, uh, Justin Herbert, there was one play, he looked left, right, middle. Like, he went through three or four options. And I, and Justin Herbert is a, is a better quarterback than Jalen Hurts, but that's what I want to see from Hurts. Because if he can do that, then you can get others involved and not have to just solely focus on A.J. Brown. But I agree with Chris in regards to against a zone defense, The we have really smart receivers. A.J. Brown thrives off of getting himself open in the middle of the field, getting the ball, and then running, just running. And Dallas Goddard and Devontae Smith are so smart. De- Devontae Smith so nuanced in his route running. Goddard's just so smart working in the middle of the field that I absolutely agree, Chris. I think that there's a good opportunity there, but I think it's going to start with getting Hurts comfortable enough with getting that ball out quickly. And if that means working the short to intermediate part with Goddard and maybe Smith, not as much. It feels like Devonta Smith is not used in that zero to 10 yard range. It feels like they really want him to be more of that big play guy or more of a guy that they can throw a little bit deeper to um, with his route running where he can open, uh, open a cornerback up in the route. Joseph, Joseph's comment hurts through the ball. Decent last week. Defense kept it close by all the missed tackles. Hurts didn't go beyond the first read 90% of the time. It felt like he was looking. He, he zoned. He uh, zoned in on AJ Brown a lot. How many? How many targets did Dallas Goddard have last week? Two, one. Did he have any? Like Quez, we mentioned, Quez Watkins yeah. didn't have any. Zach Pascoe had, I think, a catch, and Devontae Smith had four. And one was a drop. One was definitely on Devontae Smith. Um, and then his only catch came on a um, um, what ended up being a holding call. But I want to see him. You know, scan the field because it, it's usually if the first read's not open. He's going to roll out to the right and or take off running. And I want to see something different. We saw that last year. I want to see something different this year. I absolutely agree. And and I mean, we didn't really talk much about the run game. And I think that there's an opportunity for the run game to really work. But I think that it's both like the run game and the passing game really have to work in sync. And Jalen Hurts really has to be willing to open that field up. 
but we saw the effectiveness of that that Russian attack, and we know it is because that offensive line is an amazing run blocking offensive line. They're a really good pass blocking, and they're an amazing run blocking offensive line. So we can definitely get some things going in the right direction. And I mean, like you kind of alluded to earlier, this division is there for the taking. If the Dallas Cowboys go below 500 in the next call it six weeks. I've seen a lot of different reports. I think it's at least six weeks they're going to be with that. They want him back by the the, the Eagles game. Oh, I, it, it's ridiculous. I, I think you want him healthiest for the back half of the season. And if there's a playoff run, the playoffs, not to potentially re-injure him now. But like you kind of alluded to, like there's a chance if they go, you know, six games without him and they go two and four, one and five, and we're able to come out three or four games ahead of them, that could be all that you need to run away with the NFC this, this year. That could be it. So we really need, if, if winning the game means that we become a run first offense again for a good portion of the game, so be it. I'm fine with Joe's strategy. If that happens, does that mean we have our quarterback of the future? Like, Jay, you can make the playoffs as a running team, but like we mentioned before, you can't win a Super Bowl as a running team. That still doesn't prove that Jalen Hurts can be the guy. Ultimately, do we want to see progress from Jalen Hurts? Yes, but if that progress means that we still run the ball 55% of the time versus a 45% pass and they're effective and he's effective – then I've kind of seen what I need to see because, I mean, look at a team like Cleveland. They're run first, and I don't think when Deshaun Watson comes around that they're going to shift dramatically from that strategy because he it's is a strategy that works way better. But that just means that they can be way more effective on 50% or 45% of passing plays. But you got Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. They're just they're animals. And we saw it last week in, in Philadelphia, or last year in Philadelphia, how effective we can be as a running team. But when they also we call upon Jalen Hurts, they also we, would not have been a running team last year with a different quarterback. They would have been a agree. They would have done. And again, I mentioned it on Tuesday. I don't think we've seen Nick Sirianni's playbook because I don't think they can run the plays that he wants to run with Jalen Hurts. Agree. I, I can understand that. Like I get that too. But like maybe perhaps, like. He is our guy, but the game plan has to be very different with him. But when we have to call upon him, we need to be able to trust that he can make the play, that he can make can the throw, him. and that he can make the read. It's only been one week, so this to it's me it's been so more than early. One week, for... This is the same stuff we saw last year. Well, hopefully it was just week one, and you know the fact that he got one play, he got one drive in the preseason, and then he was off for four weeks, and then he finally he stepped back on the field. That's kind of what I'm hoping for, and then we get to see a little bit more out of him. But it is so difficult we'll see, to a, say. A nice, a nice hypothetical from Dave. Just the thought here: different times, different teams. I get it, but could you imagine what McNabb would do with this offense if he had these skill players? Now, who's that coach? Is Andy Reid the head coach with these skill players? Because if Andy Reid was that, <laughs> my lord, like they would have won a Super Bowl. Again, we saw when McNabb actually had a real receiver, what happened? His best receivers before T.O. were Todd Pinkston, James Thrash, Charles Johnson, Torn Small. Like they were his receivers. And Chad Lewis was the guy that he went to. Brian Westbrook was the guy, uh, or I guess Deuce Staley. Yeah, Deuce Staley, Brian Westbrook were the guys that he went to. That was like who. He he wanted, you know, the guys that he was able to get to the NFC Championship games with. Imagine Donovan, the best quarterback in team history, by the way, with A.J. Brown, Devontae. Like, this offense – now, the offensive line back then was also good because, again, prioritize inside out. Um, but, man, Donovan would have had a field day because we know Donovan can throw. Donovan would have had a field day with this type of offense. 100%. Unfortunately, we're in a very uh, tough situation and hopefully things improve with Jalen Hurts. But it is definitely these hypotheticals like if these coaches and these player had players had or quarterbacks had this type of situation put in front of them, they would have probably taken full advantage. There's so many quarterbacks in this league who would probably give to have this opportunity. But it's Jalen Hurts' opportunity to take, so he better take it. Look, I want him to succeed. I want him to come mm-hmm. out and prove that he can be the guy so that we can take those two first rounders next year and help on the defensive side of the football. 
And again, it was only one week, but I haven't seen it. Did they win the game? Yes. Did they put up 31 points as an offense? Yes, but that was also Detroit. I also think that a lot of people, like, they're just like, oh, a win's a win. But I also think that people forget that what a lot of them were discussing in the offseason. Is Jalen Hurts a guy? Can Jalen Hurts be the guy? I get it. We won the game, but there is still a major question mark that needs to be answered before the end of this season. Or else we're sitting there with two first-rounders that are going to have to be packaged with something to move up in this draft to go and get a quarterback and do this all over again. Yeah, and I mean, I'm pretty sure that Nick Sirianni would much rather know that Hurts is the guy so he doesn't have to get a rookie quarterback. Um, I don't know, like, obviously there was a a whirlwind with the quarterback situation this year, Russell Wilson, uh, um, all the talk around Aaron Rodgers, even though he stayed, Deshaun Watson and all that, and Tom Brady and and whatnot. But, um, like, you, you don't. I don't think that you're going to see that type of movement with the quarterbacks next year. So you would hope that that, that Jalen Hurts, excuse me, you would hope that Jalen Hurts is the guy so that, as we mentioned, you don't have to package those first-round picks and more uh, to move up. So looking at the Minnesota Vikings, their, their their depth chart, their roster, who's the one guy if you're the not counting Dalvin Cook or Justin Jefferson because obviously we know and like that. Who's like an – under the radar guy that if the Eagles don't find a way to stop, that it can be a long night for them on Monday. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Jordan Hicks. I think like the fact the return to Philadelphia and like he's been talked to by the media and it just like the feeling of excitement coming back and all that stuff. Like I would love to say Jalen Rager in this spot, but I mean, while you may see him get a touchdown, like this could be like one of those ones where it's like, they're trying to force some targets. He gets five targets and he gets like one of those odd situations where it's like two receptions for zero yards and a touchdown. Like that's the type of scenario I can see happening, but Jordan Hicks can actually have an impact because that front full, that front seven is crazy. So I feel like Jordan Hicks can be an under-the-radar guy who could end up going in there, get in a couple sacks, maybe a sack or two. You never know if they work the field, middle of the field a lot and Jalen Hurts makes a bad decision. Jordan Hicks could be the guy who gets an interception. They're rare from him, but like that just feels like the type of guy. Like These revenge games are for real. They are 100% for real because they always happen. Look at the Seattle Seahawks against... Russell Wilson. It wasn't Russell Wilson, but it was the Seattle Seahawks. They knew they had something to prove by going you know, up against Smith. their old quarterback who left. And it was huge. Like these revenge games and situations are 100% real. And while I don't think Jordan Hicks has any ill will towards us, it's still a revenge situation. I'm going to go with uh, KJ Osborne. And that's because, like, we know about Justin Jefferson. We know about Adam Thielen. We know about Dalvin Cook. Then you just have the third the slot receiver, the third guy who, you know, nobody might not pay much attention to, and he has a chance to to, to have a big game. So, like, Kirk Cousins will spread it around if he needs to, obviously, with the big receiver and Justin Jefferson. Like, he'll take advantage. Uh, if he's open, like he was last week against Green Bay, he'll take advantage of that. But if the Eagles are able to, to double him and not leave him wide open in the middle of the field, um, and, you know, somebody like K.J. Osborne can can make some plays, especially in the red zone. So, so we'll definitely see. How the Eagles kind of like Jamal Williams, like yeah. maybe not a huge impact, but enough of an impact. That, you know, this guy, yeah, but I mean, like KG Osborne could have like only three or four catches, but one of them is could be a touchdown and it could be like a 40, saw, 50, 60 yard game. The last time the Eagles faced Minnesota, which was in Minnesota, uh, the Eagles got blown out, it was bad, like the Minnesota up and down the field. Last time the Eagles played Minnesota and Philly, though, we all know what that was back in 2017, 2018, technically, January of 2018, in that 30-7, to 7, I think it was 38-7 NFC Championship game win. And where did the Eagles win the Super Bowl? They won it in Minnesota. <laughs> Got to thank the Minnesota Vikings for loaning us their stadium for the Super Bowl, by the way. <laughs> couple comments. Love it. Uh, Except Dallas, they're on track to win the Super Bowl every year, no matter the coach, QB, schemes, everything. It's been their year every year since 95, so I hear anyway. Great point. Great point, Dave. Um, And Allison kind of alludes to we have to see how Jalen Hurts plays. Why is everybody not giving him the benefit of the doubt? 
he had to run to not take negative yardage buys no one saying how bad the line played without hurts we lose that game against the Lions. i agree without i also think though if we had a different quarterback maybe the lions game plan's different like they thought that they could rush which obviously it was it was the wrong game plan they thought they could blitz jalen hurts and he was able to use his legs but like say if you have a different quarterback back there that's an actual passer like you're not going to blitz somebody who's going to read, you know, who's going to scan through, you know, his reads and, th- and throw the football with timing. So I, while I agree with what Allison is saying, I don't know if, if Detroit's game plan would be the same. You're not going to yeah, have this, and, and, you don't have the same game plan for every quarterback. Agreed. And, but I definitely agree in regards to without Hurts, we probably lose that game if it's like any other like situation. It was so situationally based that it worked out in Hertz's favor. But we agree, Allison, bottom line is we did get the win. But would it be, how fun would it be if we came on here and just talked about how great the win was and all the positives? Of course, we got to bring up some negatives. It just wouldn't be right if we didn't talk a little bit. Chris Scott, great segue into uh, us telling, talking about who, well, our prediction and who our impact player for the Eagles will be. Chris says, AJ Brown will have a TD. Devontae Smith will have a TD. Sanders and Hertz will run one in. Eagles 31, Vikings 21. So, L, who is going to be your impact eagle? My impact eagle, I'm going to go. We both picked the wide receiver two and three last week, and they did nothing. So, I don't know if I'm prepared to do that again. I'm going to go on the defensive side of the ball, and I'm going to go Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. He had a bad game. Like, I know he's only been with the team 11 days. He played a lot, too. Like, surprise. Like, I thought he was going to play a lot, but I didn't think he was going to miss, what, two plays, one or two plays. He played 95-plus percent of the time. He had missed a lot of tackles. This is, I think this is the type of game you bring in Chauncey Gardner-Johnson because, as we talked about, you're going to need somebody to double – you're going to have to double Justin Jefferson. Um, we know that, that Gardner-Johnson can play all over the field. He can play up. He can play – Back in the secondary, he could cover the slot. They're going to use him in multiple situations. And I think when he becomes comfortable, like he played safety in college, didn't really play it when he was in New Orleans. So, and first game in a new, new, with a new team, it's going to take a little bit of time to, to get comfortable. So, I think as he becomes more and more comfortable, he's going to be a big, big part of the defense in terms of, you know, the creativity that Gannon's going to be able to have blitzing him, covering the slot, you know, covering a tight end, you know, playing playing safety. So I think Chauncey Gardner-Johnson has a chance to have a, a really good game. And if the Eagles are going to win this game, he's definitely going to have to play a lot better than he did last week. Definitely agree on that front. Um, Allison agrees too, says Johnson's a good safety, really likes Epps as well. Awesome. Um I'm going to go with Kaiser White. I think Kaiser White's going to have a good game. I I have a feeling like, you know, Thielen and Smith and stuff, they're going to work the middle of the field a lot. And with also Dalvin Cook running the football, I think Kaiser White's going to have a lot of tackles. And I feel some type of turnover. Forced fumble, interception. I don't know. Exactly. Like, that's how close. Like, he can be a playmaker. He can make things happen. And just with the tip of a football or just with a punch out or he had an interception in the preseason. So I feel some sort of turnover and a lot of tackles from Kaiser White, like impact tackles, like shutting Dalvin Cook down and helping to silence that run game. I still think that Kaiser White or Chauncey Gardner-Johnson or both are going to get extensions this year, like by by midpoint in the year. So we saw it happen with Alshon back in 2017. I, I I see it. like if they can if, you know Kaiser White's playing really well now Johnson obviously just got here so he's he's playing he's he's getting his you know get his footing with, with the defense but I think both one or both have a chance to get to get extended this year. Allison says I got Epps with the pick. Kirk Cousins does not throw a lot of picks so there's going to be if there's going to be any there's probably only going to be one so we'll see about this next week Allison which who forces that one interception um Allison says Gannon needs to get his shit together absolutely and she calls a blowout like I'm I'm sorry Allison I don't think I'm prepared to go that far and say Eagles 38 Vikings 17 I but we will get to our prediction so how about that L 
tr- segue in. Yo, What's you your prediction? I re- home opener. The link's going to be rocking Monday night. The, the booze is going to be flowing all day for those that are down at this, the sports complex tailgating. You know, first home game in since that Dallas game that the, the COVID players played in, um, that Dallas was the only one that cared about because the Eagles obviously did not. Um, <laughs> and it kind of showed in the Tampa game, by the way. But um, I, I want to pick the Eagles to win so bad. But going off of the week one performances, and I know the Eagles were on the road, and I know Minnesota was at home playing against a very lackluster Green Bay team. Kirk Cousins plays well against the Eagles. He really does, and it's unfortunate. I'm going to say 31-24 Vikings. I hate to do it. Yeah, we always hate to do it, but last week, last week or last year, one of the big things that we did was whenever me and you agreed on a loss, they won. So generally that can lead to good things. I think we're going to get the win. I think the link's just going to be too much for – Kirk Cousins like look at the Seattle situation with Russell Wilson that crowd was so loud like Russell Wilson could not wrap his head around like calling plays it was false starts all over the place like that was also different because he used to play it is very different but this is the link first game of this regular season well for home opener for the Philadelphia Eagles I think that they're going to be rocking they're going to be so loud they're going to make it a really tough day for guys like Jalen Reger and for guys like Kirk Cousins um, I am going to go with an Eagles victory and I'm going to go 31 to 27 last week. I called, I don't think it's going to be a high scoring game and boy, was I ever off. So I'm going to go right in the middle of not very high scoring and high scoring. And I'm going to go with 31 27 for the Philadelphia. All I know is the, the obviously when the, the game kicks off, it's going to be rocking. But if Minnesota gets the ball first and goes down the field and scores right away, it could get ugly, especially if the Eagles come out and have a three and out right away. Man, like in 2018 against Atlanta, the Eagles booed or the fans booed the Eagles off the field. And that halftime, and that was coming off of a Super Bowl. So if, if, if don't be shocked, like things can turn. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing because fans should, the fans should hold the team accountable. They're paying good money. Um, but yeah, the Eagles are going to have to, excuse me, the Eagles have to come out fast. I would even consider, I don't like doing it. I, I usually like the firm, but if you win the toss, maybe take the ball. I, I agree. Do something different that you didn't do last week or that you don't normally do to get things, to change things. Chris, I don't know what Gannon has shown you to think he's going to make any quarterback make mistakes in the last year in one game. Um, but I like that you think Gannon will cause Cousins. Kirk Cousins could have mistakes. an 80% completion percentage against us, by the way. You remember the first half of last year, right? When we were giving up like 70 to 75% uh, completion percentages. Kirk Cousins could do that the way he gets rid of the ball pretty quickly. I think we agree, Chris, in regards to the secondary of the Vikings defense. Their front, I don't, their front seven's good. Their front seven's good for a 3-4 uh, defense. Um and Allison says, I just think the defense will put it together this week. Listen, okay. we want to see that. We have wanted to see that since like what week one last year when we realized that Jonathan Gannon was putting us in a similar situation to Jim Schwartz. Like we wanted it to be different and it wasn't different. It hasn't been different. So well, don't we say that, actually, Allison. Gannon yeah, can't do no worse. You say that and then he'll find a way to do worse. But I hope you're right. I really do. I We hope you're right too because your blowout could quickly be going in the other team's favor if Gannon shows he can do worse. But Vikings O and D lines aren't as good as Detroit. They're defensive. They're front seven because their linebackers are really good. I think people need to understand the impact of a of a – of a linebacker in a three, four scheme. This, the linebacker that rushes the quarterback or spies the quarterback is essentially an edge. So like, I think people have to remember, look at those linebacker names when you're talking about the Vikings defensive line, because those three big men just push the bodies. It's the really, it's Zadarius Smith and Daniel Hunter who are the impact players for that defensive <clears throat> line. They have good linebackers, but, we mentioned it. Oh, Vikings, Smith, Vikings, Hunter, yeah. Jordan Hicks are really, really good. Okay. Have, yeah. She meant Vikings, not lines, okay. but yeah. Okay. 
Yes. All right. Well, all right. So Connor has the Eagles winning. I hope he's right. I have the Vikings winning. I hope I'm wrong. Um, but the Monday night game, we can't wait. It's a Monday night or home opener. The link's going to be rocking. Can't wait. Connor, you got to get down here to uh, get to a game, by the way. Absolutely, man. I know. I know. I, I, I've i only ever been to Philadelphia once, and I saw the lacrosse team play. I saw the Sixers play. I saw the Flyers play. It was out of season for the Phillies, but I saw the stadium. I saw the link from a distance. I want to see a game. I want to get down to the link and actually see a game. I absolutely agree. Well, that second team you saw, that that's an embarrassment, but that's a different story for a different day. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all for listening and watching uh, the Kelly Green Hour today. Uh, our preview of the Philadelphia Eagles, Minnesota Vikings, home opener at the link, Monday night football. Joe Buck and Troy Aikman on ESPN. Still weird to say. It's still weird to, to, to listen to them on Monday night football last week in, uh, in Seattle. As always, follow us on Twitter at the Kelly Green Hour or at Kelly Green Hour. Follow Connor on Twitter at Connor10. And follow me on Twitter at LJHarrell54. Allison, you're correct. The link is a great experience. I wouldn't take kids there, though. <laughs> if you want to go see, take the kids to a sporting event, go to the Philly Flyers. <laughs> don't, go to, don't go to an Eagles game. Um, you can follow the Painted Lines on Twitter and YouTube at the Painted Lines. Follow Edge of Philly Sports on Twitter, Facebook, and uh, YouTube at EOP, at EOP Sports. Thank you for listening to the Kelly Green Hour. For Connor, I'm LJ. Have a great weekend. Go Birds. Fly Eagles fly. You want Philly Philly? Yeah, let's do it. Sanders patiently running. Sanders could cut.